Welcome to your shelf or mine. I'm Becky Standle, Youth Services Specialist at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Daniel Tate, and I'm on the Adult Services team at the Longview Public Library. Da, 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 da. Youth Services, Adult Services. Um, Daniel is here filling in today for Elizabeth. That is correct. So Elizabeth is on vacation in Panama right now. She's been posting a lot of photos on Instagram of her legs in a hammock. Anyways, Daniel, thanks for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. I have my notes for what we're going to talk about today. But before we get to that, what's happening up in adult services? So there's a lot of stuff coming down. You have a lot of notes. Yeah, I have a lot of notes. I brought some flyers. Fire it up. The adult winter reading program begins on January 20th. We'll be closed then for MLK Day, but that doesn't mean you can't start reading that's when it officially begins so you can count your reading if it starts that day yes if you have material but if i read a book right now that doesn't count that doesn't okay we would like people to read within the timeline of january 20th to february 28th to win prizes we will have the forms for this to fill out in the library you can come and pick up they're already on the website So how does Fire It Up work? So Fire It Up works by people reading books or magazines or listening to audiobooks. Or audio magazines. Uh, If that's a thing, then that will work. Um, Is this an audio magazine? (laughs) I guess if I just started reading (laughs) a magazine into the mic. Yeah, podcasts don't count, unfortunately. But then you get an entry form, either download it from the web, from our website, longviewlibrary.org. Or you can come into any Cowlitz County library because Fire It Up happens at each library in Cowlitz County. So that's Longview, Kelso, Castle Rock, and Woodland? Yep. Great. And you, once you finish your material, you fill out that entry form and then turn it into whichever library that you're participating in. And then at the Longview Public Library, there are weekly drawings for prizes and four people win each week. And then at the end, everyone, even if you win a weekly prize, everyone goes into the grand prize pool, and there are three grand prizes. So you want to participate as much as possible to win a weekly prize and potentially a grand prize. Uh, Those grand prizes are amongst each library. So it's a bigger pool of people for those grand prize drawings. And the weekly prizes are just library specific uh, so you have a better shot for a weekly one uh, but even if you win that first week keep reading keep filling out entry forms keep participating and again that will start january 20th so by the time you listen to this it's already begun and mm-hmm. it will end february 28th when do you draw the weekly prizes on mondays after each week so uh so it's it's six weeks of prizes and I will usually draw them on Monday and then contact the winners. 
And then during Fired Up, the Friends of the Library host Curl Up with a Good Book in the magazine room of the library. They've got, that's Tuesday, do it Tuesday mornings, 10 till noon, starting the last Tuesday in January, which is like the 28th. Sure. (sighs) Let me look. And you have to curl up, right? Yeah, it's the 28th. You can't be like stiff as a board. (laughs) You have to pretend you're at home with your cat. Ah. Anyways, yeah, so they're doing curl up with a good book. Um, starting Tuesday, January 28th, and it's every, it continues every Tuesday in February as well. And they'll have like coffee and tea and um, treats, and you can read a book, magazine. They'll have puzzles to do. It's just a nice time. Yeah. The fire's going. So. Wow. You could fire it up while the fire is fired up. <laughs> you really could. Speaking of which. <laughs> We also have, uh, if you've been in the library uh, recently, you may have noticed staff wearing Fire It Up t-shirts. This year's feature a particular green monster. We call him (laughs) Notzilla. Yeah, Notzilla. They glow in the dark, and they are for sale for the public. Um, You can give us a call, 360-442-5300, to learn more about how you can get your very own. Or if you're in, we have little cards you can pick up that have the information to purchase them yeah. off of um, Michael King, who is our artist extraordinaire and designs a lot of our stuff. He's selling them on his Etsy page. Yeah. And if you call or come in, we'll give you like a um, discount code. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get you a, discount a promo code. code. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Promo code. <laughs> <laughs> Use promo code. You just say it. I don't know. I mean, does it? You can say. <laughs> oh, it's complicated. Yeah. Never mind. Just come in. Yeah. We'll give it to you. Yeah. And you can even uh, indicate when you're checking out that you'd like to pick that up at the library, and he will drop off. He's there's hoodies, there's t-shirts. So whatever you order, he can drop them off at the library, and then you can come pick them up. So there's no shipping involved if, right. if that's your preference. You had that done, yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. I did. I I, uh, got some for my brother and his girlfriend, and they loved them. And it was just delivered to you right at the library. That's right. Right at the library. Mm -hmm. Everything is possible at the library. (laughs) Cool. What else? So we do still have some culture card tickets left, or at least today, Mm -hmm. while I'm speaking to you on the 16th of January. Like as far as you know. As far as I know, Euripides, the Trojan women at Stageworks, we still have some tickets left for those. So the culture card program, you can check out a pair of tickets using your library card to different shows around town. And they come out in batches. So this previous batch came out on January 8th. And Euripides, the Trojan women is still available. The next batch of tickets comes out on March 11th and then culture card will return next fall with all new shows. And so once a calendar year, you can get a pair of tickets. But what about those ones? Yeah, that's the March 11th. Oh, right. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped paying attention for a little bit. <laughs> I was checking your levels. Oh, I like it. March 11th, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but what about those ones? Yeah. March 11th. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and still, I, I got even more. So we are going to have altered book classes again because this is the second year of Art Speaks Volumes which is a library foundation fundraising event where creative people of all types make altered books and then they're sold at a silent auction that's a lot of fun to attend. And you can buy tickets to that auction. All that will be announced closer to that date. The auction itself is on May 2nd. So right now we're just recruiting and finding people who want to make these altered books. And it's a fun creative process there, there aren't really a lot of rules. You're just using books to create new pieces of artwork. There are tons of ideas. You can look online and see all the wild things people do, mm-hmm. cutting pages or collaging things, painting, drawing. You can really utilize any kind of technique with that. And we're going to have workshops that you can sign up for. February 5th is an informational kind of how-to workshop. What are they? What can you do? Some idea, kind of spitballing. All of these workshops are led by Susan Supola, who's a local artist. And that February 5th one is good if you just want to learn about it and and see what it is. Um, And then we will have more workshops March 4th and March 11th. And those ones are going to be hands-on. So you can... March 11th? That's right. March 11th (laughs) is a big day. (laughs) You can sign up for those. Uh, spots are limited for these, so if you're interested, call and reserve your spot. Sign up for it. So people can sign up for those now? Yes. Okay. All of them right now. So February 5th is to learn about it, March 4th or March 11th. Those are going to be hands-on workshops, so those ones will be smaller, so she can uh, help people with their altered books. And at the book sale, you can even... Yes. So the Friends of the Library's winter book sale is next this week. Well, I'll tell you the date. It is January 23rd, 24th and 25th at the library, 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And if you are participating in Art Speaks Volumes, you can come to the book sale and um, get a book for that from them. Yeah. So you you can start off with your own free book to alter. And then March 4th, Or March 11th, those ones you can get hands-on help with your altered book project. And then finally, there's one closer to the auction. The the final workshop will be on April 15th. And that's going to be a problem-solving workshop. So people who are close to finishing or just need that extra kind of questions that they have or uh, the last few touches on their piece, that's that's where you'll want to go to... April 15th, sign up for that one to help finalize your altered book. And even if you attend these and you don't participate in Art Speaks Volumes, that's fine. These are for anyone just to to learn this process and and have fun making altered books. Hopefully you might want to participate in Art Art Speaks Volumes or even just attend it Mm -hmm. and see all the cool stuff that people make. And you might even see something you want to bid on. And if you start something and don't finish, they'll probably do it again next year. Yes. Yeah. And you can sign up for Art Speaks Volumes now if you think you want to do that. The auction is May 2nd, so there's plenty of time to make these, to make your altered book. 
and and yeah, if you don't finish it or you don't you're working on it and you decide you don't want to sell it, maybe it turns yeah. out to be super awesome. There's no pressure to to do that. Even if you sign up, it just helps indicate how many people might be delivering books for this auction. Are um, you making one? I am not. Whoa. Yeah. Mark has already made like three. Yeah, Mark has made a ton. He he is the altered book man. <laughs> <laughs> and his his were really cool to see that the the auction is really fun uh and they're they're kind of cooking up how it's going to look this year and uh talking about how ideas on how to improve it things like that but it was even a lot of fun last year food and drinks and there was live music and it was just fun to get to see all of these artists and what they can make to learn more about art speaks volumes you can go to our website or give us a call and Register if it sounds like something you want to do. Register for those workshops to to learn more about it or to work on a book yourself. Yeah, and that auction is a lot of fun to attend. They'll announce that in a couple months, more of the details. And finally, well, that's a lie. Two more things. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a, a movie night coming up. Yep. And... We're bringing back Tuesday night movies. I'm going to be part of this now. So we all have our first movie night for this year on January 28th. And I picked the movie for this one. We are showing. Um, I know what it is. <laughs> we're showing, I even put a little synopsis. Oh, we're showing Blinded by the Light, a 2019 British comedy drama. Which is a coming-of-age story of a British-Pakistani Muslim teenager in 1987 and how his life changes when he discovers the music of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. The boss. Yeah. He's blinded by the light. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Doors open at 545. Mm -hmm. Movie starts at 6. And there will be free popcorn. First come, first serve. Space is limited. But everyone's welcome to attend. Yeah. And we have our Teen Tuesdays coming back. So Teen Tuesday start again on January 21st. We're going to be having a Nintendo dance party. So that'll be a couple days before this airs. And then the nights that we have a movie, we will not be doing a separate distinct Teen Tuesday. Um, but we have a lot of fun stuff coming up for Teen Tuesday. We're going to have a Fortnite. Wow. Where we build forts. It's wow. not about the video game. <laughs> and um, we're going to have a karaoke night. And... Bad Art Night, which we did last year, and it was really fun, um, and some other things. And then Story Times are back on for the winter, started up this week, and those are Baby Story Times Wednesday mornings, 10.30, Preschoolers Thursday mornings at 10.30, Toddlers Friday mornings at 10.30. So that's what we've got going on. Book sale, Story Times, Teen Nights, Movie Nights. Oh, I have one more. Okay. On February 15th, we will have a score class that you could sign up for now. And it is, are you ready for takeoff? And that's about marketing, finance, competition, business planning, risk management, and where to find help when you need it. So you can uh, call and we'll get you signed up or um, go to vancouver.score.org and you can find the, the workshops there to sign up for it. February 15th. And then we also have Wednesday afternoons, a programs for elementary age students, and they kind of rotate um, between 
Um, we have a book club for like K through second grade, kindergarten through second grade, a book club for third grade through fifth grade. And then we have um, like drop in arts and games activities on the Wednesdays that we aren't having a book club. So we have that schedule up. I think it's on the website now. If not, it's on our Facebook page for sure. So check it out. It's fun. Yesterday, um, they did um, like do-it-yourself snow globes. Mm-hmm. And the kids had a lot of fun with those. Cool. There was still glitter everywhere in the MJO this morning when we had story time. What is the glitter and made out of? It's made out of like a little squat, like mason jar. Oh, okay. And you um, glue like a little figurine on the lid. And then you put like your glycerin and water mix with some like sequins and glitter and stuff and screw it together and then turn it over and it's snow globe cool it is pretty cool yeah maybe i'll make one yeah let's talk to jacob about it he might still have some supplies (laughs) who knows there was a lot of kids in there yesterday so maybe maybe he do maybe he do not we're having a palentine's day party with the teen night get it palentine i get it great all right. Well, I mean, I was going to say I think that's all, but that's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, kicking off 2020 with... With a bang. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's been a busy time. Been a busy time for me. For you? Busy. <laughs> and only going to get busy. <laughs> what a nerd. <laughs> Be editing that out. <laughs> all criticisms. <laughs> wow. You really can't take... Have you started the reading challenge? Uh, No. Me neither. I mean, I have checked out some of these books, but I haven't started. Um, next time when Elizabeth comes back, we're going to be talking about the Rita Award winners. And um, there have been some shakeups in the Romance Writers Association in the last couple of weeks. So they're like not doing the Rita's this year. Like it's real... It's like, I don't even know if this organization is going to exist wow. like going into the future. So um, big book news. Um, we'll be talking about that, too, because it's like a big deal. And I was like, oh, OK. So I picked this award. That's what we're going to talk about. Like, and right as soon as we do it, it's like, psych, this organization has imploded. <laughs> well, anyway, so I'll be reading up on on all of that stuff. What we're doing today, unless you had anything else to add. Nothing to add. <laughs> OK. talking about little women all right i brought my notes can you hear them i can (laughs) these are just some notes that i've written down and i've been thinking about this we saw it like mm, two weeks ago yeah um so i've been thinking about this nonstop for two weeks we can talk about the book and the new movie the greta gerwig's movie and we can talk about other adaptations as well so some background Little Women is one of my, my, Becky, favorite books. I've read it, like, at least a dozen times at all different, like, times of my life. When was the first time that you read it? Um, probably when I was, like, 10. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a while. Um, but I think, like, the first times I read it or tried to read it, I didn't get, like, all the way through. So it might have even been, like, younger that I tried to read it and then didn't get through it and then came back. I don't know. But definitely, like, through middle school, in high school, I was reading it, like, pretty consistently once a year. So I've read it a lot of times. And then the Little Women movie, the 1994 version with Winona Ryder in it, 
is one of my favorite movies. Kind of just like even separate from the, the book as much as I can do that. Um, and I have seen before this, I had seen like the June Allison movie and the Catherine Hepburn movie, but that was like a long time ago and I didn't like like him when I watched him. And so I never watched them again, but I'd watch them when I was like a teenager, I think. So that's my baggage. What's your baggage? <laughs> I've never read Little Women. <laughs> I know there was a copy my mom had. I, I want there to might say, have been a copy in your house. <laughs> well, I more specifically, I think it was in one of our bathrooms, like in, <laughs> okay, in a, okay, like a magazine holder thing that was mostly magazines. But for some reason, I remember a copy of Little Women being in that. Um, so that's my experience. <laughs> your mom's like, I'm going to get these boys to read this book somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll put it here. Yeah. Captive audience. <laughs> Uh, and you hadn't seen any of the movies no i'd never seen any of the movies i i kind of remember when the winona Ryder one came out probably because that's she was she was a big star by then um so that's how they got funding for the movie (laughs) (laughs) i was i was aware of it but yeah not not familiar with the story which then it, it but it is as i watched the movie then realizing like, oh, there I, are cultural references yes. to the movie that you understand. Very, yeah. yeah, very distinct moments in it. We were like, oh, that's where that came from uh-huh. kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and um, speaking of baggage, I brought with me. So I have lots of copies of Little Women, um, including this one, <laughs> which is the annotated Little Women. It's like a $50 book and it's enormous. Yeah, it looks like. Like an old dictionary. Um, But it's got like the, you know, it's annotated. It's great and I love it. It's got lots of front matter, back matter, margin matter. Color pictures inside. Yeah, it's got um, pictures inside from like different illustrated versions on the movies and like historical photographs of the Alcott's and all of that good stuff. I also know a lot about Little Women and part of that is like from this book, Um, but also from like reading books about this book, which I've read a few. I read one last year called Meg, Joe, Bath and Amy, like Little Women, Why Still Matters. I mean, I feel like I've read a couple books like that over the years. There was one like 10 or 12 years ago, a book that came out that was um, like a biography about Louisa May Alcott and her father, Bronson Alcott. And um, what was that called? Eden something? Anyway, so I read that. So I like know stuff about her. That's part of my baggage going to this movie. Did you know that the high school in Clueless is Bronson Alcott High School? Wow, I did not know that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, you know, that's another cultural reference you'll get. Yeah. Now. All this to say is that I did not like this new movie. <laughs> Daniel, will you synopsize the movie? Sure. Also, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, I don't know. Did you ever see that episode of Friends where Joey reads Little Women? <laughs> well, that it sounds familiar, but. And like Rachel reaches, reads The Shining. Uh uh-uh. uh. And he doesn't. like spoils a bit of The Shining, and so she spoils a bit of Little Women. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like you pretty people pretty much know what happens in Little Women. There has to be a statute of limitations or something. I think like, 150 years, which is how long it's been. I was thinking like two years. 
<laughs> I, I was going to say, I think 150 years is plenty you, you, long enough. Yeah, you've had your whole life to <laughs> learn about this. But if you're like, wait, 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 don't tell me. Also, yeah. then I guess turn off this podcast and listen to it later. <laughs> um, but also, if you will be spoiling, there's like stuff that they do differently in the movie. We'll also be spoiling that. I've, um, if you care about spoilers, I'll I don't just, really. Yeah, I, I was just about to say that I think spoilers have become very overrated because if something's good, then you can't really spoil it. Like, yeah, you can hear about a plot point, but it's not everything is like a twist that's going to blow your mind. It's not, Little Women is not the sixth sense where like. <laughs> The whole thing hinges on like some twist or some secret. They like, were dead the whole time. <laughs> yeah, like you can you could spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you could you can know the plot points and still and it still be a wonderful ride and, and worthwhile. Can you though? Yeah. So absolutely. like that's part of what I am wondering is like, am I too close to this book to have an objective opinion about the movie? But you also didn't really like the movie. I, I you probably liked it more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I liked it more than you. I I think because I don't have a relationship with the book that there's so many things that didn't bother me about it that would bother you and your knowledge of the author and you know, like you have a whole well to <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to tap nip, into. Nitpick about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where I like I because all things said, the two versions I watched, I I thought were about equal. It's just one was much more of a like coherent. If, if I was in middle school and like had to write a report, I would have watched the 1994 one. If I had done that with the new one, that would have not. I think me. for all you children listening, that if you need to write a report about the book and you're not going to read the book, but watch something instead. What you'll need to watch is the a BBC miniseries version, because there's definitely tons of stuff that you would say about the movie that is just not in the book. <laughs> so that's my hot tip for you cheaters out there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Daniel, tell us what the movie is. Yeah. So the talking about the, the new one um, that we saw in the movie theater, it is about some little women. <laughs> it's about it's it's focus is kind of on the on Joe and uh Amy that that's those are the main characters along with with Lori I guess um but the the story itself is about this family it's uh four girls growing up and it's it's they're with their mom primarily because their dad is off fighting in the civil war so this takes place during the civil war the, their family is not well-to-do. They're just trying to get by, really. They're not destitute. They're not super poor. And there's another family that they they interact with and help that is, is poorer than they are. Um, and then they they are close to, in proximity, I guess. I don't... The movie makes it seem like it's right across the street. Right. It's like you can see it from the window. Mm -hmm. That's how it's, it is in, like, all the, in the book as well. Oh, okay. Um, There's like a hedge between their houses. Okay. <laughs> and then that, like, they're, they're near this much more wealthy family where this boy named Lori lives, and he is an orphan 
um, being raised by his grandfather, and then they they introduce this tutor character, um, and so it's it's in the family. It's Meg is the oldest, and then Joe, and then Beth is she number three, mm-hmm. and then um, Amy. And and part of this new movie, it's the same it's the same actors the whole time, and the the plot takes place over the span of like nearly a decade it's like seven years mm-hmm. i guess so it, it it's confusing to someone like me <laughs> um where you're you're watching this family and their girls they're you know between like 12 and i guess like 16 or 17 something like that and then it makes this jump where then the youngest one is that age they're 17 18 something like that and then the oldest one is in her twenties, but it's the same actors the whole time. So <laughs> the, 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 the actor playing the 12 year old, uh, Amy is the same one who's playing the then 20 year old Amy. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it, they, they do some costume stuff and makeup hair stuff to indicate that age, but it's not always really clear. Yeah. And in this movie, jumps around it's not like they're little and then they're grown up it starts like three quarters of the way through the book is where the movie begins and then it flashes back over and over through the movie seeming like i was never really sure if the flashbacks were themselves meant to be in their own chronological order or if it was just like whatever happens to be Uh, like a parallel to whatever part of the story that she's on in the present is the one that she's going to flash back to. I feel like that's what was happening because the first thing that they flash back to is the new year's Eve party where Joe really meets Lori. And then the next flashback is the, is Christmas. So unless they don't care that it's a new year's Eve party, then the second flashback is before the first flashback. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's very, it's it's kind of jumbled up. You you get the the skeleton of the plot is is basically they they're growing up. They're they're facing this life where the the dad is gone and off to war, so he just sends them letters and they're just trying to get by and some of some of them are in school and some of them it seems like are kind of piecing together these a way to make a little bit of money, help the mom out. And then Beth gets sick. She, I guess, from visiting the the family that's poor, and she gets scarlet fever. Yeah, she. So she's she's sick, and um, she recovers from that, and then later on, doesn't like, seven gets, years later. Yeah, seven <laughs> years later. I guess it like it, she's weakened to the point where she she just can't live anymore, and then and yeah, and then it like. Lori goes off like a lot of this is much more clear in the 94 <laughs> because that that movie is is on a timeline it's one thing leads to another and so they're they're growing up and uh Lori the the boy next door he really falls for Joe who's she's she's not into him yeah she's not into <laughs> but she and she's very like independent and she's very creative and she like leads her sisters in these plays that she writes and she's she's just a, like a creative kind of dynamo and her own person and she doesn't agree with or like the kind of the things that 
women at that time were expected to do and the lives they were expected to lead. And um, it's it's mostly about their relationship together and the each of the the sisters kind of is has has her own story going on and her own her own way to fit into not only the family but a role that women could possibly have in at that time um and so the older the oldest sister meg like she ends up marrying um the tutor Lori's tutor and having a family but they they don't have a lot of money um and then joe goes off to new york to pursue writing but she uh also teaches and then um beth is is just always sick I guess. <laughs> <laughs> she's not always sick definitely i think in the movies it makes it seem like she is always sick but no beth is like she's like the domestic person and she so really t- like to me the book is really just about like growing up and like trying your hardest to be like the kind of adult that you want to be and then especially for joe becoming an adult and being like well this isn't what i thought it was gonna be like um and just dealing with just like, you know, grieving your childhood, I guess. Um, Beth's whole thing is like she always just wanted to like stay with her parents and take care of the house and like be of service to her family. Um, and she does do that, but in a sense, doesn't really grow up. And then she just and then she dies. And that's so uh, Little Women um, is based off of the Alcott family and the sisters all have like real they're like real counterparts counterparts and the beth counterpart lizzie i think her name is also elizabeth i think they called her lizzie died i think when she was 22 and a lot of historians speculate that what she died of was anorexia so hmm. for what that's worth yeah yeah because it's not clear in the book or in any of the movies because they don't know why she's just wasting away yeah they the, both movies make a point to show her and and it, there is beth is described by her sisters and in her interactions it's like everyone says she's the sweetest one she's the easiest to get along with she like everyone likes her she has a very kind demeanor and so she goes to help this poorer family and the, they make a point of, like, she gets Scarlet mm-hmm. Fever from that visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then it, it it's like, does she just have the... She just doesn't become... She doesn't get all of her strength back ever. Yeah, I guess, yeah, she... But it's, like, especially in the newer movie, you're like, does she just have the longest Well, <laughs> and one of, of the things Fever? that the new movie does is that, like... I was, I tried to go in with an open mind and I was like, okay, we're starting three quarters of the way through the book. That's fine. Like if it's going to focus on them as adults, like I could be really be interested in the story. And then it instantly treats the professor bear character. Like he is a jerk and an idiot. And I'm like, well, I'm not crazy about this. Maybe we'll get past it. Then they do this weird talking straight directly to the camera when doing a voiceover for like a letter and I'm like, okay, but then it, then it, then it starts doing like the flashbacks and I was like, okay, I get it. But as the movie progresses, the, I felt like it cuts, it just like, it gets faster and faster. Like the scenes are shorter. 
um, the actual scenes and it cuts back more into more different timelines. You're like, it's now like, you know, in the future. Now it's in like maybe the future. Now it's in like last year. Now it's in seven years ago. Now it's in now. And it really muddles that you're trying to keep track of what time you're in based on Amy's bangs. And <laughs> and then it's yeah. And then I, I felt like it really fell apart at the end. That's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it, it seemed it seemed to me that this this movie was as much about the director who they must have at least like co-written the screenplay. Who? Uh, Greta Gerwig. I think she did it all herself. Okay, so it, it, then that makes even more sense because it, it seemed like a very my relationship with this text. And I was thinking, I was thinking about it too. There was this scene, which I don't, I don't remember being in the 94 version at all towards the end where Joe is writing presumably little women. Mm -hmm. And there's these parts, she's like laying out all the pages and she's like shifting them around. And I was thinking like, wait, how did like (laughs) that? That seems strange. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, well, that's what this movie is, is like, like, it's like she's storyboarding or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it it just, it seemed like that with these decisions that were, that were made about how to present this or like changes to the characters, it seems like, yeah, this is like someone's vision of this. That's not necessarily like true to the actual story or text and that, you know, for better or worse often, um, and I think a lot, a lot of what, what I felt was distracting or confusing ha- had more to do with the, the actors and the, the kind of scrambling things. And, and we, we were laughing at a couple points where it was like, it seemed like they were using contemporary <laughs> lingo and slang and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and, that- and she, even the way that they talk is like, so, and I've read like articles about this movie too and a lot of them do focus on like oh it's Greta's movie and what what can we take out of it that's like that says something about her as a director or as a writer director which is like fine I guess but that's not why I am interested in the movie but how she wrote the dialogue to be like overlapping as though that's how people speak but I don't even think that's really how people talk I'm not like waiting for you to be mid-sentence before I start my sentence it felt more like like how like musical theater is written. Yeah. It had a very, and that part of that with like the actor age thing, it had a very kind of like repertory theater feel yeah. to, it, to me, which, which was when it's like Timothy Chalamet, who is a very like, <laughs> like young looking person. Uh-huh. And then he's, he looks exactly the same basically the entire time it's just sort of hard to get a purchase on like, where is this character going? Mm-hmm. What is he, is he learning anything or is he no. develop? Yeah. And that, that's the I kind think of stuff that- he was the worst part of the movie for me. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but um, yes, like the, like lingo and the way that they talked. And it really made me think too about like, if this was really how the family had conversations, somebody like Beth would never get to talk at all. Because she's not going to, like, interrupt you to say something. But it makes them, I don't know, it is like a really, like, a modern sensibility. Or it makes them almost seem like, like, my big fat Greek wedding. Like, in, like, a Mediterranean family that's always just, like, talking over each other. 
like they're that way that they're depicted in yeah. film, and that's not, you know, who this family is to me. Anyways, yeah, it, it to me that kind of thing, it, it definitely portrayed a sort of intimacy. Or as as a person who'd never read the book, and this was my first seeing this, <laughs> um, that you know, they're they're kind of the way they talk, the way they they were like roughhousing and stuff. It was like okay, they're very close. That's what I was getting out of it, and that. It did seem like there was a lot of shorthand representing parts of the story, mm-hmm. but delivered in these, in like you were saying, like kind of shorter like scenes or moments that were maybe kind of. Yeah, it's like if you were making a musical, and there is a Little Women musical, but I've never seen it. <laughs> and you're like, we want to get this all, all the big quotes out really quick. We'll just have them all say it at the same time. It'll just be overlapping. We'll put it to some music like Lin-Manuel Miranda might do. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> this is how the movie, it doesn't start, but it's like 15 minutes into it or whatever. When Lori meets the family and he's like, yeah, I like these girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now we can talk about Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, he. I I agree that he he was the most distracting part of this to me, and and fully like, yeah. I have my notes. <laughs> he he was the reason why I wouldn't I wouldn't like endorse this movie as a like, hey, just go see it. It's an awesome movie. I I think it's it's fine. I think overall, I would say it's fine. Yeah, I I don't know if I would say. I mean, with the price of movies these days, <laughs> it's like that. And that that is kind of, that kind of way, you know, like if I'm going to go out and go see a movie, I think, is this a $20 event for me? And this was more of a like, I would just catch it when it was available. At the library. Yeah, yeah. If when it comes out at the library and watch it. And that way, if you're like, and uh, <laughs> I mean, while we're <laughs> while we're here, might as well mention that while we were at this movie. <laughs> There was an audience member. <laughs> this who, lady sitting in front of us. Yeah. Who was, uh, it's it's unclear what was It seems that she had been drinking, but we couldn't say for sure. Yeah. But she was talking very loudly through half the movie. At which point she turned to her companion and was like, I'm sorry. I thought this would be good. <laughs> and they laughed. <laughs> And it, it, it was, that was very distracting. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's why I wanted to mention is cause it, that also is like, it's hard to get into something <laughs> when you're like, can't help but hear someone talking very loudly and like commenting on them. It just uh-huh. pulls you out. So uh-huh. it's like, it just kind of made it, if it was a really good movie, I think I wouldn't have, I would have been able to kind of tune mm-hmm. them out or I would have been like more willing to shush. Yeah. And then you would have been like, shut up. Yeah. But this was kind of, I was sometimes even like, I kind of agree. With <laughs> good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Timothy Chalamet, he, he, it seemed the most like I didn't, I never really got a sense of who Lori was. Like I got that he was playful and that the, the little women sisters like that about him. And he wasn't Joe. Joe had at least a friendly attraction to him because he, he wasn't really interested in the kind of roles people were expected to play and hit his and Lori is a, is a wealthy person and being getting private tutoring. And uh, he gets to go to Europe and, and go to college and do all these things that Joe is like, that's that's, that's stuff that she wishes she could. Do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't, it, he, the whole time he just kind of felt like this kind of a loose cannon to me where it was like, 
at no point was I like, oh, I wish Joe and he would... would right, like, would end up together. Yeah. Or that he would end up with anybody. Because he's such a mess. This is what I wrote. Okay. Timothy Chalamet is terribly cast. I read an article saying that this is the part he was born to play. And I was like, are we watching the same movie? <laughs> um, I said he goes through the whole movie like a time traveler from 2010. <laughs> Um, and it actually reminded me there's this uh, like middle grade book I read once called Little Women and Me and I hated it (laughs) but it's about (laughs) um, this girl who's reading Little Women like becomes a time traveler into the book as like a fifth sister and she goes through the whole thing and she's like wanting to change things so that like Joe and Lori end up together and then inside the book she discovers that Amy is also a time traveler and that's why she never really fit in with the family and I'm like I don't think we've read the same book but that kind of reminded me (laughs) his performance reminded me of that book like someone who's like doesn't seem to belong in the same movie that everybody else is in he to me like the biggest like the most obvious when I was watching the movie part is um he does like some karate chops <laughs> like to Joe like playfully like you know somebody it you, you know in our now time period would do but he would have no cultural reference for that in 19 in the, in the 1860s like why is he doing that yeah they also the way that they dance in the funny dancing scene is very like no one would have danced like that pre, you know, punk rock. What it's happening? Yeah, I don't know. And I, in the book, is Lori is he making any attempt to be, you know, at like a more respectable, you know, like that the role he's supposed to play of like I'm a gentleman. Like, is he? No. Well, the um, Lori is like a really a side character in the books more than he ever is in the movies. So, like, Little Women, the books, book, I guess it's, like, two books, but really focuses on, like, each of the girls has, like, a fault that they're trying to correct so that they can become better people. And so, like, Joe has a temper and Amy is selfish and, like, kind of, she, like, puts on airs. She tries to be fancy and she's bad at it. Um, <laughs> and, like, Meg is vain and Beth is shy or anxious. And so they do things to like kind of correct it and grow to become like adults who've, you know, conquered their vices or whatever. And Lori doesn't have that arc at all. He doesn't have his own chapters really. Maybe later when he's in Europe, he kind of does. But even that is more more about Amy teaching him how to be a better person. <laughs> um, no, not really. Like he, his whole his whole deal is like, he is a sad orphan. Um, his grandpa is old and kind of like set in his ways and doesn't like go out in society very much. And Joe really notices this. And so she like befriends him and goes over there and talks to his grandpa and is like, hey, like we're going to be friends. He's like, okay. Um, and so the whole family become friends with like that family. And he, it's kind of like a nice story. It's like they have money and this family has love and they can share it with each other. Um, like they each have something to offer to the other person, but yeah, he doesn't have the same kind of story arc as he gets older and he goes to college the whole time he's in college is like in the beginning of the second part of the book. So it's like after Meg's got married, but way before like Amy goes to Europe or Joe goes to New York, like a huge, a lot of stuff happens between that. That's not in like really any of the movies. 
but he like you know like becomes kind of like a dandy and like is like you know frivolous with his money and like gets into billiards and like you know is a 20 20 year old guy and um then he kind of like stops doing that kind of stuff because he's trying to impress joe and get her to like him and he's like oh if i'm become like if i quit gambling then she'll like me um and then when she rejects him he's like i did all that for nothing and then he goes to europe to be like a baby about it until like amy reforms him so i guess there's like kind of that stuff but the things that happen to him are a lot more external than what happens to any of the other like characters. Okay. I yeah, because I was I I liked Christian Bale's performance. I mean, so it's much. Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah. But I think like I think Timothy Chalamet is a very good actor. I just think that Christian Bale was able he at least showed this like when he met the sisters it he seemed he did seem sad and he seemed like he he didn't want this like to be shut in and tutored and then he met them and it it seemed more like oh i can have fun. like this is the fun i think i've been missing mm-hmm. in this companionship and and that there was just kind of more of an like he grew and it, it hit the same kind of beats of like he gets rejected and then he goes but with in this one timothy chalamet it's like he just se- he seemed to just be sort of wild, I guess is the yeah. best way to put it, the entire time. Yeah, like he never combs his hair. Like you mentioned right after we watched it, it seems like he was wearing someone else's wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just, it like, it, with Christian Bale's like, this is a guy who who's awkwardly trying to present himself as this gentleman because of this wealth. Uh-huh. And he doesn't really fit that until maybe the end when he and Amy get together and he, and it, he seems like this is that's that's where he kind of finds himself i guess mm-hmm. it's cheesy but what with Timothy Chalamet it, it, the 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 wildness was just sort of a like when he i wasn't ever like oh you sh- you're a good match for Amy yeah. it would it just seemed more like he was trying to mess with her match with that other guy yeah and then like he seemed like he was being mean yes that's another thing i wrote down is i felt like in the new movie especially the male characters i don't know if she did this on purpose or but they're all terrible they put in like all of their like worst behavior and none of their good behavior so there's no like balance it's like, why would anybody like Lori if this is how he acts all of the time? Like, he's terrible to Meg at the party. He's, like, terrible to Joe when, you know, like, she says she can't marry him. He's terrible to Amy when he's trying to court her. He's just, like, lounging around and telling her that she's, like, materialistic and dumb. Yeah. It's, like, gross. <laughs> yeah. He, there, the, there weren't a lot of redeeming qualities to be, like... Like, I was rooting for the Christian Bale Lori, even if I was like, yeah, you, you probably like Joe because she's showing you this this way to live in the world that's not just what this society expects from you. And then in the newer one, it was more just like, this this dude just seems kind of wild and <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't seem to really respect mm-hmm. anyone. And... I never, even towards the end, and and I thought, like, I think I did laugh in the theater, but the the end 
of the new movie, it's it kind of turns it into this like the the whole and it, and it, it is presented that's like an epilogue. Well, it, and it well it's it's like presented in this way that's sort of a it's kind of almost dreamy or you're like mm-hmm. this is a this is definitely a a vision of how this story ends that you could say you could argue this is totally a dream or this didn't happen or this is like literally how this the story book ends. Yeah. Cuz that is literally how the book ends. But I don't know if it's like Louisa May Alcott's book or Greta Gerwig's Joe's book. Yeah. And it, it like Joe is she's watching the the book Little Women be printed and like put together like she a just stands there book. the whole time. Yeah. It's <laughs> they're like setting the type. They're printing every single page. She's just standing yeah, there. Yeah, they sew the binding. They cut the pages. Yeah. They sew the binding. They paste the cover. It's like this would take like a month. <laughs> yeah. So I guess she just showed up day after day. <laughs> or they're main- yeah, I mean. And then and then it moves into this she she inherits their rich aunt's mansion or estate or whatever and turns it into this school. And so the last scene is her moving through this and there's like a They're having a birthday party for Marmy. Yeah. And then you see like she's she kinda hits interactions with each of the characters so she sees them doing things and like it's like wizard of oz (laughs) and you were there you were there (laughs) and she she sees the thing that made me laugh is she sees uh laurie timothy chalamet and amy uh amy like passes him a baby and it's like Whoa, like he Daniel's like, whose baby is that? <laughs> yeah. <it's> so like <laughs> Oh, that's Lori's baby. Yeah. I know he still looks like he's fifteen. Yeah. But he's supposed to be like twenty five now. Yeah. So it was yeah, it, like I mean Christian Bale grew a little goatee. Yeah. Talking about. Well also it seems like um like hair and makeup like phoned it in for this movie or they didn't have the budget for it or just no one cared. But like it bothered me lots of like tiny things that aren't really that important. If I liked the movie, I wouldn't care. But it does bother me that Joe is blonde in this movie. I'm like, it's super easy to darken someone's hair real quick. That they wear their hair down constantly, like even out in society and like parties and stuff. They've never worn your hair down, but they're just wearing it down all the time. Like I said before, Timothy Chalamet never brushes his hair. He does get it like pretty big sometimes because he's just like tearing his, running his fingers through it. It's so distressed. <laughs> that's very floppy hair. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was. And I guess that's, that's the, that encapsulates my, the, the thing that made this. <laughs> You're like, oh, so Lori is wild like his hair. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Like his sleeves. <laughs> yeah. His floppy sleeves. Uh, the, it was. It was just unclear, like, okay, if it doesn't matter that they look... Because, it, uh, yeah, it doesn't... Like, you can tell a story and not focus on they look much older or cast totally different people to show them as adults versus them as kids. But it it was just unclear if does it matter or if it doesn't matter at all, then it's just kind of distracting. And, it, and and that's what gives it that and kind confusing. of confusing. Yeah, and, and confusing and that's what kind of gave it that theater quality to me where it's like mm-hmm. yeah, if you if you're putting on a play with high school students and I I was in a play where in high school where I had to play like a 65-year-old man, all my sons by Arthur Miller. I was the dad, so I was in but it's like 
I can only do so much to act as a 65-year-old. Sure. You can put all of the... The old man makeup on. Yeah, and gray in my hair, but I'm still like a kid. <laughs> I'm still 16. Yeah, but they. But in this movie, it was like, forget it. We're not even going to attempt to do that mm-hmm. with, with some of these characters. Like uh, with Amy, they they did a lot. Like, they braided yeah. her hair and kind of she dressed differently. She um, had bangs and braids when she was little, and when she was older, she wore her hair up. And I, and maybe they did that just because she was the one who had the most extreme kind of. Yeah, thing. but it's just like, I guess in my mind, the 1994 version of Little Women is the only one where they've had two actresses play Amy at different ages. And I, I mean, I guess the reason why is to save money. But I mean, there's a big difference between being 12 and being 20. And it was weird at parts like Florence Pugh, who plays Amy, is doing her darndest. <laughs> and, you know, like, if it wasn't so, I don't know, she does it, She does her best. Yeah. And she's a great actress. And, and I think she was the best one in the movie. However, seeing her playing a 12-year-old just just constantly was taking me out of the movie. Because she's, like, pouty. And she's, like, you know, like a brat. Like Amy is when she's twelve, but the the actress is obviously twenty five. Yeah, if you had, and her voice is also like she just has a lower voice. <laughs> so, like especially in like the classroom scene where she's talking to her classmates, who are all played by actual like twelve, thirteen, fourteen year olds. It's like, like I said, Daniel. It's like the the show Pen Fifteen, where it's like actresses who are in their thirties playing like middle schoolers yeah. with a bunch of like middle school aged people playing their classmates yeah. and. I mean, and that that part too. It's like, like when I was watching it, I was thinking, well, it wouldn't have been unusual to have older, you know, a seventeen-year-old in a classroom with. Well, by the time they're seventeen, they're basically like they're the teacher. But yeah, yeah, but that that just like helped with my. I'm trying to figure this out (laughs) on the fly because if you had, if you if they had stopped the movie twenty minutes into it and been like, okay, Daniel, how how, old? Yeah, how old are all of the characters? I would have been like, are they all twenty three? I don't know. (laughs) Like they all look the same age, Uh and that like, yeah, you. I I don't mean that that's like the biggest thing, but that that is part of why it was just kind of like. I'm just kind of confused and that seems sort of to distract me from what they're trying to do right over the course of this film when one of the characters doesn't seem to show any growth like emotionally or physically yeah. <laughs> um where in the 1994 one very very easy to follow and see the growth of the characters and that especially with Amy when you see young Kirsten Dunst, who's looks young because she is young, and then later on it's a it's a different actor and she's older and behaving differently, it's just much easier to see how like Oh, like time has changed. Yeah, time has changed and this this person isn't the same. Like Lori is interacting with someone who isn't the same little girl mm-hmm. anymore. And that's And their like, interactions are gonna be different. Because she's an adult now. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, um, otherwise it is weird. And I was thinking because of something you said when we were talking about this the other day, uh, just about Amy and Laurie's relationship. And one of the things I didn't like about the new movie is that they changed a bunch of stuff to make it look like 
um, Amy is like in love with Lori the whole time, like from her youth, but also she looks the same. So it's like, it, I don't know. It just makes me dislike it more, but that like, they were always like together and they just like, they pushed it over and over. It's like when Amy gets struck by her teacher, she goes to Lori's house for some reason, instead of going home, which not only is it like not true to like what actually happens in the book, but it's also not true to Amy's character who would never want to be like humiliated in front of, you know, people, anybody, but like let alone someone who's like not in her family. And her humiliation is more of what was traumatizing to her than actually like being hit by her teacher. It was being humiliated in front of all her classmates. So there's like Amy would never be like, Lori, I'm crying. She'd be too embarrassed. She yeah. would go home. It, it seemed like. But it, they did it so that he could be like her hero. And they did that over and over again. And I was like this. The reason that Amy and Lori are better together, like in the in the end, by the end of the book is not because they always were, but because they've grown up to be like adult people who are a good match. Yeah. And that at least in the, the 94 version, I, I got the sense that when, when Amy is little and it's played by Kirsten Dunst, she wanted Lori to take her seriously. Like at least in like, I want to go have fun with you all. I want to attend these things with you. And then there's that scene where she's, Talking mm-hmm. about she's never going to be kissed, and and it, it is it's that kind of like, yeah she she wouldn't get hit at school and then go cry to you because she wants you to take her seriously right. and not be like I'm I'm incapable of handling <laughs> right. things. Well, and in the book too, like a big, I guess a a big part of like Amy and Lori's relationship when they're younger is she sees in him like the kind of person she wants to grow up and be because he's very well educated. He's very accomplished, but he doesn't show it off all the time. He's also very modest about those things. And there's like specifically like a scene where she, Oh, maybe it is after she gets hit by her teacher and it's like, like later and she's like, yeah, like blah, blah, blah. And her mom's like, well, I'm not taking you out of school because, um, you know, like you didn't deserve to be punished just because he punished you and like not in the right way. She's like, because you certainly can be bratty and put on airs and um, like think like worry too much about what people think about you. And um, she's like, it might be better for you to have had this experience if it's going to make you not such a little brat, basically. <laughs> And she's like, like thinks about Lori, like specifically in the book and how um, he has all these talents, but he doesn't need to show them off all of the time. But people still think really well of him and think specifically like, that's the kind of person I want to be. So she admires him partly because he's rich and has like a, a good place in society and, and because he has all these like advantages that she doesn't have, but sets herself up to like want to be like the kind of charming person that she sees that he is when she's little. And that, I think, ends up being why she's like she becomes better at it than him. But it, it, then later it makes sense that they're like they're a good match because they have the same values, and that's just never clear in really any of the adaptations. But I mean, really specifically this last one. Yeah, yeah. I ultimately, and the the funny thing too is, I mean, watching these two, it did increased my interest in reading the book and a lot of that was the here those, you go 
<laughs> no, I, you can borrow one of my smaller ones. <laughs> I, I got to find that one that's in the bathroom. <laughs> um, I remember the cover very vividly. It Yeah, it, it increased my interest and it like... Some stuff stood out to me that was kind of like the lime trading at school. Like that both movies had this. Like the limes is a big deal. <laughs> this annotated version in the margins of like three pages is like a lime. It's a recipe for how to make pickled limes. And it is a lot of work. I'm like, I would never do that. <laughs> it's like first you have to just cut the bottom of the lime off. And then you have to like kind of work up around the peel of the lime. And then you have to like let all like the juice and crap run out. And then it's just like on and on. You see, you have to take stuff out, and then you got to put it back in the lime. Jeez. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no wonder they were so such a hot commodity <laughs> yeah. at school. Um, but yeah, definitely the pickled limes are like a big part. Like each of the girls has like a chapter where they're like con- conquering their vice, and that's Amy's. It's like she's humiliated, and Joe's is when she's so mad at Amy that she doesn't tell her the ice is thin, and she falls in. And Megs is going to the ball, which the movie does terribly. I cannot believe it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then um, Beth's is when she gets up the nerve to, like, go over to the Lawrence's and play the piano. And that was actually probably my favorite thing that the new movie does. Is it puts that scene in there, which is taken out of, like, almost every adaptation. A lot of Beth's stuff is. And it makes, like, it makes it clear that she and... Uh, old Mr. Lawrence had like a friendship. Yeah, I I really that was my favorite that their whole relationship and the piano and that it that made it did make me emotional. Mm-hmm. It was like this is a very like sweet and it's just nice to see this play out. And in the 1994 one, that guy's just like a crotchety old man. <laughs> like he is- Mr. Lawrence really gets like the. Uh, short end of the stick a lot of the times because he's such a nice character in the books and like actually one of my favorite like choke you up moments in the book is like after Joe rejects Lori he's like really sad and he like goes to his house and he's like playing his piano and he's super depressed and but Joe like as soon as she told him she wasn't gonna marry him she wouldn't talk to his grandpa be like you know, you got to help him out because he's going to be super bummed. And so his grandpa's like comes in and he's like talking to him and he's like, yeah, like Joe told me what happened. And he's like, oh, great. That's my playing the piano. <laughs> Anyways. And he says, why don't you just go to Europe like you planned? And Lori says, well, I didn't plan on going alone. And he's like, well, I know one person who will go anywhere in the world with you. And he's like, who? Who would do that? He's like, I would. And then he's like, oh, Grandpa. (laughs) It's so sweet. Yeah. Because he's like old and it would it would have been hard for him to travel, but he still does it. Yeah. And I I like that scene a lot where she was just playing the piano and he was on the stairs Mm -hmm. and he didn't want her to know that he was there. But it it made him really emotional. Like, yeah, that was that was just really well done. And I like that a lot. And he yeah, he just like. (laughs) <laughs> he was just a, kind of a cool character. Yeah. And I don't, it seemed like the 94 one didn't really have their dad in it. Did, was he in <laughs> it at all? He comes back, but then he just like floats around in the background of the second half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we want time. So another thing, it's like to really make a, a really good adaptation, you need time. So this is a long book and a lot of stuff happens. Yeah. The BBC did one a few years ago and it's really faithful to the book, but also not, I mean, it's not great. There are parts and I like, there are parts that I liked and I liked, um, Emily Watson plays Marmee and I think she does a really good job of showing her as not like a, 
perfect angel woman, but as like a real human being who has like the faults that she says that she has, but then like she actually has them. Like she actually does have like a temper and, you know, is kind of short with her kids sometimes and then is so sorry about it later. <laughs> Anyways, but what I do like about the 1994 one is it's just a regular movie length. It's like 90 minutes yeah. or whatever. It's not like, you know, so they're like, yeah, cut out dad because... What does he do? Criticize Joe's writing? Like, yeah. <laughs> Get it out of there. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely, it seems like, a movie time bloat just mm-hmm. across the board with anything you go see. It's like... These days? Yeah, they're yeah. going to be at least... Three hours long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is... We're, now it's like, oh, this movie's only two hours and four minutes long. It's short. Yeah. <laughs> Much quicker than my other <laughs> options today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that the the ninety four one, yeah, I I did I did enjoy much much easier to follow just the the narrative of it and and both of them yeah I was just like this I do I should read this book it's it's obviously such a cultural touchstone and the characters are so unique and timeless that it's like you you should experience that mm-hmm. and it's not. And that, that's that's an underrated thing is to see a movie of something and then always know kind of in your back pocket, like, well, the book's going to be better yeah. no matter what. And I know when we talked about it, because you were going to read it and then you pretended like you said this you never. This is a controversial <laughs> statement you're making. <laughs> you said you would read it and then you said that you never had said that, which is a lie. But you were worried because she is like a contemporary of Nathaniel Hawthorne. That her writing was going to be as boring as his. And I tell you that it is not at all. <laughs> Don't worry. It is not the Scarlet Letter. It is not written like that. Um, it's just like a regular book. Yeah, I do. I A lot of times when I read, this is a personal problem, but when I read stuff that's, you know, 19th century and earlier, it's just like, oh, this is a slog and this feels like school where... I, <laughs> you're, you're, maybe you'll get something out of it. And a lot of it's just a like, well, this is good for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like character building. And there's exercise. definitely stuff in here that's very like, you know, she wrote it for a particular audience. Her publisher was like, hey, why don't you write a book for girls? And she's like, well, I've never done that before. I don't really know anything about it, but I'll try. It's probably gonna be boring. And she wrote like the first 12 chapters, gave them to a publisher. And he was like, you're right. These are boring. And then she was like, mm, I think there's something there. And then so she kept working on it and then ended up becoming this, you know, 150 years of best selling books. But there's definitely stuff in there. I mean, on the whole premise of like, we're trying to be better people can get like pretty preachy and stuff. Um, but, you know, it's I think that's fine, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. There's times where I'm like, oh, like. You know, she wouldn't have said that or like it seems like something that Alcott didn't really believe, which is what's cool about reading this, because you'll see they'll put in like this annotated version, you know, notes about that kinds of things and contrast it with her letters and stuff. And I think that that is what Greta Greta Gerwig was trying to do with her movie, but it just didn't work for me. Like the end of the movie so throughout the movie, it's been getting like the scenes are shorter and the flashbacks are like quicker back and forth, back and forth. And then and then she's sad. She does this thing where she writes Laurie a letter saying that she will marry him, which she would never do and never 
does in the, you know, and I was like, what's happening? There were quite a few times in the movie where I was like, what is happening? Just to, we didn't see the actual letter, right? Like we didn't she write the, we didn't see the contents, did we? No, I think she says them like, like, I know it was implied because she, she like writes this thing and then she's like embarrassed and goes, <laughs> no, I think she back. says it. I think she says, I don't think she does the thing where she looks at the camera and like reads her letter like they do in all the other voiceovers. But I think there is a voiceover. Okay. Yeah. She writes him a letter. She's like, I'm, I will marry you. And then he comes back and is married to her sister instead. A lot of the movies do that as a surprise. But like in the books, like they had written and been like, we're engaged. And it was only the fact that they had gotten married. That's a surprise when they get there. Not the fact that they were like together at all. Yeah, that, that seems much more like a... Because there, there was time in between the first and second part, right? Uh, when she wrote, because Little Women is a two-part Yeah, thing. so she wrote the first book, and then it was super popular. That's why she wrote the second one. And everyone was like, you know, when are Joe and Lori going to get married? And she's like, well, that's not going to happen. Yeah, because that, that seems much more like a, like, oh, don't spoil it thing. Whereas when you watch it, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, back then, if you were waiting to find out what happens to them yeah that would you could see that being kind of a twister but it isn't <laughs> like in the book because it's like there are several chapters that are dedicated to like Lori and amy getting to know each other in europe and like getting engaged and stuff and then they write home to their parent like to the marches and are like we're engaged and then joe is able to have a conversation with her mom about it but even in the book before he really pursues amy he like gives it one more chance. He's like, he's cause he doesn't want to be, cause he, he thinks like maybe Joe will change her mind, but this is before Amy dies. So he writes back and she's like, I, I'm not going to change my mind. And he's like, okay, I'll move on with my life. And he does. And then he starts really pursuing Amy, but she says no to him like several times, like over and over. <laughs> she's never going to write him a letter, but she does have a conversation when they write that they're engaged with her mom about because since it, Beth has died, she's gotten so lonely that she would worry that she would have said yes if he had tried again, but that she's glad he didn't because she wouldn't be marrying him for the right reasons. And she has that conversation in the new movie with her mom, but that's before she finds out that they're engaged. So then then she writes him a letter saying she'll marry him. And like, why did she do that? <laughs> I don't know why, but... You just reminded me also that uh, their dad says little women in the movie. It's yeah, it's kind of distracting, too. Oh, he does that in the... He does? Yeah, but like right at the beginning. Oh, okay. In that first letter that they get. But, I mean, the dad of the movie is very distracting. Yeah. In a kind of a I mean, way. talking about how the movie kind of feels like musical theater or sketch comedy, there's also, you know... Bob coming out of sketch comedy yeah. being like, I'm the dad. Yeah, and he has these wild <laughs> <laughs> He cared about Sorry. the hairdo. Yeah. How much back if the internet existed when that when part two came out, how much fan fiction do you think there would be of Joe and Lori? <laughs> Daniel, I bet you could go on the internet right now and find tons of fan fiction about Joe and Lori. This is something that has persisted. And it's kind of interesting because I think you do tend to think like, oh, fan culture has only existed, you know, how, you know, recently. But she was under enormous pressure to marry them off. 
Um, she'd get letters from readers constantly. And that's why she came up with the Friedrich Bear character. She's like, well, I guess I'll marry her to somebody. And then she made him this like old guy modeled off of her like teachers and mentors that like, you know, like Ralph Waldo Emerson. She's like, I'll make it him, you know? <laughs> I bet the fans loved that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's been 150 years of being, people being, like, mad about it. Yeah. That's why you get, like, that Little Women in Me book. Right. <laughs> or the whole it's thing. The original Harry Potter does not marry <laughs> Hermione. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so she did get a lot of, like, fan pushback. And she just like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to do fan service. Yeah, I th very... It's funny, because, like that almost always backfires on the fans because like, yeah. uh, writers, artists don't, artists, dig in there. Yeah, like, don't like you doing that. Or if they cater to it, it's like this terrible, yeah, very compromised yeah. <laughs> too many cooks kind of feeling. Yeah. And you feel like you're watching Star Wars, the force of weekend or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, so in this end of this movie, also the movie like kind of constantly reminds you that that it's based off a book. Like Joe's like, mm, I'm not a character on a book. Wink, wink. Yeah. And no, you're all little women. <laughs> wink. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a definitely like a lot of winks. The way he says it isn't like natural or anything. Yeah. Um, that was another one of my notes about how there was just like constant too many winks of this being based on a book. <laughs> And at the end, they're like, let's not end it how the book ends, but how she really wanted it to end. But then they're like, actually, let's not do that. Let's film three different endings and then just cut them all together. I'm like, it's terrible. It's like first and because of the way that they go back and forth and mess with the timeline so much. Like as a person watching it, I was like, are they going to end it now? Is it almost over now? Is this how they're going to end it? Because she has this whole conversation with her editor about like her contract. And it's like. It's boring. I'm like, is this how you're going to end it? This is boring. And then the long scene as she stands there for a month watching her book get printed and bound, cut into like the season f series finale of Friends. <laughs> There's like a rush to the airport. That's not in the book, by the way. And her her friend's turning they turn into like last episode of friends phoebe who is just like kind of silly and you're like what are you doing um like even sillier than regular phoebe i guess where she's like go after her to the airport but it's like the whole family and it's stupid it felt to me like it was just making fun of everyone who likes the books for the last 150 years all of the fans of the stories and the book itself and also love triangles. It's like, aren't love triangles dumb? Like, Team Bella, not Team Edward or Team Jacob. It, yeah, that. And I'm like, why? It just felt, yeah, like she was like, and this whole thing is dumb. And it's like, I can't take seriously then the whole rest of the movie where you're trying to make some sort of point about like women and money and status and stuff. If at the end you're going to be like, but it's all dumb. Duh, 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 you know, like. It, cut it with this. Cut it to here, <laughs> to this scene, to that scene. The end, it doesn't make any sense. It, and that, the part where they're all like, go after him. That would have been... I sat there in the theater going, like, what is happening? That would have been much more difficult to pull off, I think, if he had been 20 years older. You know, and they're all like, go get that. <laughs> get him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, go get my carriage. Yeah, but he's like, he's this, like, 
hunky kind of Frenchman. He's yeah. just like a hot French guy. So like you're you're at least willing to be like, okay, I get why. Except they... for like the he's not a character. He's just like exists in the movie for some reason. He's at the very beginning. He negs her like a classic neg. He's like, I don't like your books, and she's like, Oh, you're so attractive. I'm like, that's stupid. And then disappears for the whole rest of the movie and then comes back at the end. And it's. Yeah, I was I was definitely like, (laughs) I I hope he just leaves like because, yeah, he's terrible. And I wish like if she really had wanted the ending to be like Joe doesn't end up with anybody like Louisa May Alcott had written in her journals that she wanted to, then just do it, you know, like then just change the ending. Like, I'm here for that. Yeah, fine. If you want, if you want to do that, then just do it. Yeah. Don't like half do it or like do it in a way that makes fun of the whole endeavor, like the whole movie, the whole book. It, it felt, yeah, that, that whole thing was cause she clearly wasn't interested in Lori and you couldn't blame her, especially in this version. <laughs> He's the worst. <laughs> yeah. And then, but then this other guy, you weren't like, he seems the same. Yeah, you, you only he combed his hair. He's like the combed hair version of Flory, but he's French. Yeah, and it just it was like, well, I'm not really interested in her being with him either. Like, so why would I want her to be with these like inferior <laughs> characters? Yeah. So, yeah, I like I guess be, you're just being true to the book, but in this one way that's kind of But it's like true to like a journal entry and not true to the book. Well, she 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 doesn't end up with the professor guy. She ends up with a professor. He's not a 28-year-old yeah, French no, yeah, punk. Yeah, no, I just He's a 50-year-old <laughs> German professor. Yeah, I I yeah, I just mean mean like uh you're true to that plot point. Like sure. she does end up with him in the end, I guess, even though it's kind of, it's like but it's just yeah he just teaches at her school (laughs) maybe yeah but it was like i just hired him as a teacher at my school (laughs) yeah it was that you could have easily edited that movie as that character the french guy (laughs) who's german was just there to to like stamp out her desire to write you know like you and then if he wasn't in the movie again you would you wouldn't be yeah. like, hey, where's that guy? Like, bring him well, back. Well, but it's not. <sighs> <sighs> I guess if that was just like a completely different character who doesn't exist in the book. But I mean, that's not what the professor is like, though. Yeah, like I, in the book, he doesn't directly criticize her writing at all. Yeah, he I, makes like a statement about how he thinks that kind of writing is like bad for people to read because it's just trash and garbage. And then she's like, "Oh, this is why I haven't told anyone in my family why I'm writing this trash and garbage. I'll just go back to writing the stuff I was writing before I was like just needed a quick buck." Yeah, because before she goes to New York, she has a novel published. She has like lots of success as a writer before she meets him. And and then later in future books, like after they're married and this just brief period of time where she writes like thrillers is just for money and she doesn't do it for very long. But then they write the screenplay like around it, like it's this huge conflict. And it's it's so annoying to me because it's like not what the character of the professor is about. It's not about teaching her a lesson about how to write because she's already doing it and being successful at it. And 
it's just so annoying to yeah me. well I, yeah i i mean that like in this movie in the newer one mm-hmm. he at the beginning because he's in the beginning yeah and it's almost a he's like hi i'm friedrich i hate your writing <laughs> like yeah and as someone who had never read the books it felt like a character who's in a lot of movies who's like you shouldn't do this and you're not good at it. That seemed, I thought that mm-hmm. was his role of just being like, stop writing. Yeah, to this be is, like a conflict for yeah, her. And then like he would just disappear and she would like overcome the negative <laughs> criticism. But instead it's like they... Then he just comes back and they, they get married. Yeah, and that, that was just like, oh, I thought he was just the, the negative like... Hey, you're not very good at this. <laughs> He's just a troll. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, oh. Oh, they got married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does seem like she just marries a troll. Because, yeah, because the, the rest of the... and Because he, he doesn't have any character or any development or... I don't even think he really has any lines when he comes back. He's just there. Yeah, he, well, he just kind of rolls in and he's like, can S- I play the piano? Sup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're all like, oh... That's Beth's piano, and this is all. And Amy's like, "Hey, Joe, that guy's hot." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that and that's really. It's like, <laughs> I think that's why they were cheering her on to go chase him. Like, I couldn't figure out any other like. <laughs> so stupid. And he, he he does the real like. Well, guess I'm gonna go teach in California, <laughs> unless anyone uh, objects. No. Oh, all man. right. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Yes. To slowly walk to the train station. Uh, <laughs> no one's. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. Oh, all right. Well. Um. It is funny. The 1994. There's a lot of stuff in the new movie too that I think directly comes from the 1994 movie and not from the book or from other adaptations. And that her going after him is from the 1994 movie. It's not in the book. Um. And that's another thing. It's like a commentary on a different movie that was made by the same people, really. Like, Denise Stanovi wrote the screenplay for the 1994 movie. She's a producer on this newer movie. Or maybe she was just a producer. I don't know. They have the same producers on both films. And, no, Robin Swicord wrote the 1994 movie. And then Denise Stanovi produced both of them. And Robin Swicord produced the new one as well. So I feel like they're doing, like, things that are just nods to their earlier movie, like her writing Little Women is from the 1994 movie. Her running after him, like, because that one ends with an umbrella kiss, correct? Uh, the book has an umbrella kiss, oh. and the chapter's called Under the Umbrella, like it is in the movie. <laughs> but they're out like shopping, and she's like helping him buy stuff for her his nephews and stuff. And she's sad because he's leaving, and then he's like, "Why are you so sad?" <laughs> and then they like kiss under the umbrella. <laughs> but they're just like hanging out, and that happens, and it just happens like it's raining and. It makes a big deal about how they're, like, unattractive, but they don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And then he does go to wherever he was going and to teach for a while. And then before he comes back and they get married. Because he wasn't just, like, doing it to psych her out. It does make me think of, like, did you read Jane Eyre? No. (sighs) It reminds me of Jane Eyre when Mr. Rochester's like, I'm going to get married to this other girl. And Jane's like, oh, I'm sad. And he's like, why are you sad? Psych, I was never going to marry her. It was a test. And you're like, what a jerk. <laughs> Anyways, Mr. Rochester's terrible. Anyways, here are my other notes. Um, I'm glad that they used minimal Meryl Streep, although her character was changed in this movie. Um, they made her... There's a few scenes where I was like, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, when Bob Odenkirk calls her his sister, I'm like, that's your aunt. <laughs> it's like his 
uncle's wife. Like, that's their relation. They're not siblings. And looking at the two of them next to each other, you're like, she could be your mom. (laughs) She's not your sister. (laughs) Um, But maybe Meryl Streep doesn't uh, want anyone to think that she could be his mom. But they called her his sister. And there was a point where they said that the other girls called Meg Daisy as like it was like a weird thing to do in a way. But it's like... Daisy is a really common nickname for Margaret. I'll admit I did not know that until you told oh. me. Oh, so the, the the name Margaret comes from the French word for Daisy, and it's a super common nickname for people. Maybe they did it for dummies like me. <laughs> They're like, well, why would you even call her that? But I don't know the way that it's treated in the movie is like it's like out of nowhere. Like they hate her like poor sounding name, so they gave her this other name. Yeah, well, that's what I I was just like, oh, I guess that's just like. And you're Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Daisy. <laughs> no. Which I guess sometimes like little children will be like, yeah, you can call me Flower if you want to. I guess. You can call me Flower if you want to. Yeah. So that was dumb to me. It's like, okay. Also, they made like Meryl Streep have been like a spinster when she was like a widow, you know, so that she could give Joe spinster advice, I guess. Gosh, I feel like this movie treated Meg real badly. Like, her scene seems like, I don't know, she seems so boring. It's like, Meg's kind of boring, but she's not that boring. Yeah, really, the the most screen time she seemed to get was the that ball that she attended, and Lori was there. And to be mean to her. Yeah, and otherwise it was just, I guess there was the scene where she was like, I wish we weren't so poor to her tutor husband, and he got sad, and she's like... <laughs> Oh, no, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, man. And it's such, like, I don't know. I think when I read the book as a kid, definitely, like, the Meg is an adult, like, dealing with adult problems was, like, the most boring part of the book. But then reading it as an adult, it becomes, like, obviously way more interesting. Like, yeah, like, keeping house is hard and, like, raising kids is hard and being poor is hard. But so, like, there's and there's other things that she does as an adult that I think are more interesting than having like a disagreement with her husband about the money that she spent. But also if that's the scene they're going to include, like it ends really like in a cute way in the book that they could have put in the movie instead of what they did. Cause he like, she's like at her parents' house cause she's like run away from him. It's super unclear. <laughs> and he comes over. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got your 50 bucks back. Cause she blew all his, coat money the like the money they're going to spend on his winter coat on some fancy fabric they couldn't afford which but in the book like it's the same she has her friend buy the fabric from her because she can't she doesn't even have any money left over from buying the fabric to like make it into a dress so it was just a real waste (laughs) and then buys his coat and then she is just wearing his coat when he comes home from work and she's like i like my new dress and it's like a cute moment you know like just between the two of them not something for joe to look at out the window um but i'm like they could have just done that and it would have been so much sweeter and it wouldn't i think the way they did it made it look like john brooke is just like a jerk you know he, he was by far but that's how me, they, did, they made all the men look like just oh he jerks. he was just like 
so boring. I was just like, <laughs> I don't know what you see in this guy or what, like, what this is. And he just, even that, well, he didn't seem that upset. He just more seemed like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how well, we don't have any money anymore. So I guess I can't buy the stuff I need. <laughs> yeah. And I, cause I didn't, maybe they had established this, but I, it seemed like she was just making a purchase that she shouldn't have rather than like, like they literally necessity, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're spending it in a way that is bad for the family. Yeah. It would just seem more like, ah, I shouldn't get this, but ah, I really want it. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah, he, his character the whole time is like, this is a zero. Wah, wah. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't bring anything to the table. But I also think that the way they made Meg, it was like that too. Yeah. She's just like boring. Yeah. And then she's like interesting for a second, and then she's like, "I'm, bat- I'm sorry, I'm, it was interesting for a moment." <laughs> Anyways, I think that was most of the stuff. I'll also make notes about any historical film where the women have shaved their legs, which they did in this movie. I mean, they didn't shave their legs in the movie, but there was enough like to see that they had shaved them. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, fine, I guess. Anyway, so sometimes people are like, "Why do we need another version of this book?" be made into a movie or a different adaptation for this but i i think every time i see an adaptation and i don't like it it makes me want more adaptations to see if there was one that could do it better yeah so i'm like oh i guess they blew this little women hopefully they don't wait another 25 years to try it again (laughs) and i don't know yeah and especially stuff where it's for a even a long movie you're really condensing the material there's just so many choices you can make. Mm-hmm. and Like you could do a different movie focus on each sister. Yeah. Like, and it really could be a series. I know there's that BBC one, but it could even mm-hmm. be like a modern Netflix yeah. series or whatever. They made a, like a modern set one last year, but I haven't seen that one. It's, it's, it's the same as like, they're never going to stop making Great Gatsby adaptations. Baz Luhrmann's made the ultimate Great Gatsby, Maybe so there's no need to, to make any more. Do a little women. <laughs> I would be so into that. Well, that, I mean, someone, he's not going to hold back. He's not going to be like, I'll half change this. He's just going to like, he would go all the way. Yeah. And it really, like, it is with timeless stuff, you really can. I mean, it's like Shakespeare, mm-hmm. where it's just, you can just keep reinventing it or. You know what I would like is like a. It was it Richard Linklater that made Boyhood? Yes. Where it's like they film the beginning, oh. they wait seven years, and then they film the rest. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's my idea. Yeah. Call me <laughs> Rich. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we've really talked a lot about Little Women. Yeah, we don't have uh, a lot of time to talk about our next <laughs> movie. <laughs> I don't know what's out now. <laughs> um, but we've really just run out of time. Yeah. We gotta go. So thanks, Daniel. Thanks for going to the movies with me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, thanks for, for listening to me complain about it. <laughs> thanks for, for having me on the, the past pod. two weeks. <laughs> uh, I guess it'll keep going until they make a, a version that you like. I mean, I did like the 1994 version. Maybe you'll revisit this one in five years and and be like, oh, I, I like maybe. Some of it. But there's another. There's like a thing about the 94 version, and I think be, because it's so cozy. That I feel like every Christmas I'm going to watch this little yeah. woman. And there's nothing about the new one that's like, I just feel like, you know, cozying right. up and watching this hot mess. Right. <laughs> but if you want an opinion that 
thinks this movie is like the best American film ever made. You could read essentially any article. It is yeah. written by it's, <laughs> anybody. It's received a lot of good press. Br- yeah, press and critical praise and stuff. So, so that's our alternate opinion. All right. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Um, thanks, Becky. Thanks for listening to your shelf or mine. I'm Becky. I'm Daniel. Goodbye. Bye. Studio time for Your Shelf or Mine is donated by KLOG, Cooking Country, and 101.5 The Wave. We at the Longview Public Library thank our local stations for their ongoing support. Your Shelf or Mine jingle is written and performed by Megan McEldry from A Song for You. Find Megan on Facebook or Twitter at Meg McEldry or online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McEldry. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McEldry. Sometimes I edit with my eyes closed to really focus on... Oh, man. What a nerd. Yeah, people really walk past me and they're like, what is he doing? He's, he's just taking a nap. Yeah, he's just sleeping, <laughs> sitting up with headphones on. <laughs>